casting will. We'll be a thrill. Grandpa and chill, grandson and friends. Grandpa and chill in full effect. We talk about it all. Yeah, put it all on the set with that pet craze too. We chillin' with Rosie. Come through, stay tuned. Yeah, listen closely. Cause this the millennials and the silent generation coming together. Discussion in rotation. This is Grandpa and Chill. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Grandpa and Chill. I'm here with our incredible producer, as always, Sierra. Finest sadly could not make it today. We have Grandpa. It's a nice consolation. I'm Brandon Fox, <laughs> and we have an amazing guest today, Stephen Stepp. Hey, Stephen. How you doing? Um, if you could just go through and give the audience out there who doesn't know you just a little bit about yourself, that'd be super helpful to start off. Yeah, no problem. Um, once again, my name is Stephen Sepp. I'm a financial planner in Southern California. It's only about 70 degrees today. Um, and uh, I, I work with about 300 families. I've, I've actually had over a thousand clients, but I, I specialize in working with about three or 350 different families because it's, it's more than one generation that we're often working with. In fact, it's sometimes two or three generations. Um, I, I specialize in an area that's um, known as bank on yourself or sometimes called infinite banking or um, other names of it or, or for similar programs, but the original is called bank on yourself and, and uh, I've been with them for um, you know 20 years. Um, and uh, I think somebody on the show mentioned Indianapolis on a show that I listened to and I actually grew up in Indianapolis. Oh wow, um, that was minus, so he's not here today, but... Oh, okay. Next okay, time, well, maybe another time. Um, and and basically, I'm a full-service financial planner with a interesting exception is that I do not do stocks and bonds and mutual funds and the typical brokerage things. I actually gave that up a number of years ago. Um, I felt that it was something that's um, mostly for, like, insiders, and you have to know a lot or have special information on individual stocks to do really well with that. And um, I was not an insider, did not have that, those information. And, and a lot of the stocks would just take off because they were popular and not because they had the earnings to support it and stuff like that. And there's a whole lot of additional regulations on me to be able to do that as well. So I actually just dropped the whole stocks, bonds, mutual funds. And I tell people all the time about stocks that I think they might be interested in. Um, but I refer them to, you know, other, uh, brokers, if you will, for that. But almost anything else, whether it's gold and silver, life insurance, annuities, general planning. Um, this afternoon, I just put together a whole spreadsheet for our family with 18 different investments all going at the same time. Um, so that type of planning and that type of, um, and, and we're really good on service if somebody calls us you know, or emails us one day, um, unless it's like five o'clock in the afternoon, we'll, we'll get back to them, you know, that day as well. So we've built a very good, happy clientele, if you will, that have come to know us and trust us. And because I'm completely independent, I will tell people straight out, I like this, I don't like that, here's why. And and they can take it or leave it. And uh, But most of the people do have, have come to the point where they... They really trust hearing our advice and getting our 
suggestions on on anything financial planning. Amazing. And uh, you said, uh, what's the term that you specialize in? Something your? I, I work with a program. It's called Bank on Yourself. Um, you can on yourself. Um, you can go to bankonyourself.com. Um, if you do put in my code, SS95, so that you'll be um, referred back to me if you had questions about it. Um, but it's a, it's a nationwide program. There's about 250 independent agents who, who work on that. Um, and the whole idea with Bank on Yourself is that we show people that you don't have to take the kind of risks that are inherent in the stock market in order to be able to meet your financial goals. Um, everybody's going to be a millionaire. Everyone's going to earn. If you're 30 years old, you're going to earn a couple of million dollars no matter what you do. So it's a matter of what you did with that money, how you saved it, where you invested it, um, how your earnings kept up with it, uh, and, and if you had a plan, right? Um, a lot of young people, they have to have the newest car, the newest fashion, the newest, uh, uh, you know, whatever it is. And instead of thinking about what that money would do for them over a long time, even if it was just compounding at like 6%, that would be, could be hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars later on. And that's where a lot of people, especially younger people, kind of miss it. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, no, just... There's the latest car and all of that stuff, but uh, I know a lot of people that um, 30 range, late 20s and stuff that are still trying to sort of like pay off loans or debt or are sort of pretty deep in the hole where it's like trying trying to get by and save at the same time is very hard even if they're not doing the newest car, et cetera. You know, I, I do think it's very hard these days for younger people. Um, you know, the cost of a house is astronomical for most. Um, I know that rents are, you know, skyrocketing and going higher and higher all the time. Um, inflation itself is, is making even food and gas and basic things, you know, really expensive, especially these days. So I, I, I totally get that. But at the same time, um, if you're if you're making any any kind of income, even if you're making say twenty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars, I have a daughter who's twenty six, who just got a, a necessary raise, and, um, and and so I get that. Um, but I think the concept is that, or the idea is that if you can start saving, right, even if it's five percent, even if it's ten percent, if you're making thirty thousand, put three thousand away. You're making fifty thousand. Find a way to put five thousand away into something that's safe, that's not going to disappear, um, and and build on that. Um, you know, right now I was realizing that the Series I bonds, you know, which I, I don't sell, but they're they're out there and they're inflation adjusted, and right now they're paying like seven percent, and any individual can buy one up to, you know, ten thousand dollars. So part of my message always to young people is just regardless of what is going on, pay yourself first and put and try to put away at least 10% of what you earn um, to yourself first into your own savings account. Uh, it will make such a difference over your lifetime and it's an amazing habit. And then when you do have more and you're saving more and you can get into investing and you can get into doing other things, 
And one of the things I like about Bank on Yourself is there's no minimum and there's no maximum. So we literally have people starting with, you know, $300 a month, $500 a month, and they're, and they're building their plan and they're starting and they get it and they're clients and they'll be clients for a long, long time. So, um, you know, I guess below that, there isn't really an answer, but I think people would be surprised that, um, if they have the right mentality, how easy it is to, to kind of get, at least get started, at least do a little something. Awesome. I'd love to open it up to uh, Sierra and Grandpa if you have any questions or anything. Well, you tell me what you just said. I'd love to open it up to you, Grandpa. What oh, you okay. All right. I think uh, that's excellent advice. Put away money as much as you're able to. Yeah, I, I, I think it's excellent advice. What about forever stamps? Grandpa Bart, can you turn your gain down a little bit, please? Turn the gain down. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now? That's that better? better. Thank you. Okay. Way better. You know, I, I heard that as a, as a good idea. And you know what? If that's where the starting point is, um, that's probably a good idea. At least it will be inflation on postage. And you're taking at least a little tiny baby step in the right direction. Yeah, I was kind of, kind of kidding, but... But they are going up a lot in val- in cost, so you know they constantly increase. So uh, I send these I send these um, uh, mailers out all the time. Um, the, the use of, they call them the, the the priority mail stamp or the two day you know stamp. And it used to be a few years ago they were two ninety. Now they're nine ninety. Yeah. So um, you know if I had been able to buy forever express mail stamps, that probably would have been a good idea. Yeah, and there's more uh, value of nickel in a nickel than um, I'm, I'm, what I understand than a nickel's worth. I don't know if it's still that way because the commodity and pennies too. Right. Yeah, more copper than a penny than a than the penny is worth exactly. But it would be kind of hard to uh, to uh, deal in it in the market. You know, it's kind of silly, but but anyhow. Yeah, but I think it's a very excellent idea to put away as much as you can possibly afford to do. So that, uh, you know, you save money for a rainy day or for retirement or whatever. Grandpa, now I'm having trouble hearing you. Could you split the difference a little bit? Uh, or like, sure. Uh, or, right yeah, back up again. or hold okay. it closer to your mouth. Yeah. Okay. Is that better? How's this? Is this better? You're muted, Sierra. I can't hear you. What? That is not no. better. Turn it. <laughs> no. <laughs> <Is> it... <laughs> <laughs> I, I call myself a uh, audio engineer. I can't figure out how to turn the. He does. Off. He really does. Just turn it we're, up we're, a smidge. Just a smidge. <laughs> we're on like episode eighty-three, Stephen. <laughs> it's, it's never gotten slightly better. <laughs> no, no, no. We're doing good. We've made a lot of good. Made a lot of good stuff. Made a lot of see, uh, I went to see a hearing aid guy today, and uh, obviously they. They really push you to buy a hearing aid, but but he told me that I have about thirty percent hearing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, wait, who, who said that? Yeah, who told you? I'm going to do brain damage if the I doctor, don't, uh, do about it, you know. yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, the doctor, the specialist. Yeah. Cool. Do you have clients that are in their eighties, Stephen? I do. I do. Um, um, do you take on clients at that age? Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know a guy who would, I'd really love to work with you. <laughs> That'd be grandpa. <laughs> I, I mean, some of our concepts and ideas, you know, you know, don't work at that time. Uh, Bank on yourself, for example, is a, is based on life insurance and it's, it's, uh, you know, once you're in your eighties, that's kind of too late for that. Um, mm. but, um, but, uh, I just did a case a couple of weeks ago with, um, the father of a client who's, um, 84. Wow. And they, yeah. they, they ended up with a, an annuity, which will guarantee them, uh, uh, growth and, and then, uh, an income. So what, uh, how does it have to do with life insurance, the bank on yourself group that you're a part of? Or philosophy, okay. rather. Um, yeah, it's it's rather unique. I found out about it about twenty years ago, and the more I learned, the more I I got into it, and I created policies for myself, and saw how well it worked. And it, over the last twenty years, it just kind of took over the majority of my practice. But the the basic idea is that you're 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 buying a whole life life insurance policy, and we distinguish between other types of life insurance term and universal life, but whole life life insurance. Um, but we structure it in a way where about 75 to 80% of the money going into it is going into the pure extra cash value. It's not going into the base premium, so to speak. So the, the amount of death benefit is typically smaller than somebody might think about for the amounts of money that are going in. But we're, we're capitalizing on the fact that because it's in, because that money is in a whole life life insurance policy, it grows without taxes being taken out. It can be taken out completely tax free at any time. It has a tax free death benefit as well. So eventually there's going to be a, a, eventually there's always going to be a payout that's more than the cash values ever get to be because, and that's upon, upon upon the person's death or upon the person's death. But, but while it's, um, but, and it earns about 4% over the years, it is more like 5%, but it starts out earning a guaranteed rate of 4%. Um, so not that exciting in terms of rate of return, but again, coming back to savings and, and savings and compounding interest. Um, and then the, to me, the most interesting thing is that while that cash value is building up in the policy, you can what we call bank on yourself. You can borrow that money. You can borrow up to 90% of the money that's in those contracts to finance something like a new car or a used car or whatever it is that you would otherwise go to a bank or finance in some other way or put on a credit card. You become the bank. You become the source of your own financing. There's no reason you need to go to um, what we call the snakes and dragons that you know, operate most big banks, right? Or even little banks. Um, and why pay them all this interest? You know, um, a lot of times we'll sit down with families and 20 to 30% of their net income is going to pay, to pay interest and bills on cars, on houses, on, you know, jet skis, you name it, right? Um, and all that money is going out never to be seen again. And if we can teach folks how to take their own savings, their own tax-free savings, and borrow it out from the policy. The policy still earns the same amount of money whether you take it out a loan or, or not because the cash value is the collateral for the loan. 
but you still have the same full amount earning the same interest and the same guarantees. Well, uh, and then, so I'm very, I'm very unlearned, unlearned in this, um, which I think is really good because I'm learning a lot right now. But uh, what, what is, can you repeat what the collateral is? Like, what, what would you lose if you're unable to repay that money? Um, you wouldn't lose anything. It just wouldn't um, be available for the next item. If you would have, you would be able to, like, for example, um, let's say you saved up $30,000 and it was time to buy a car. As a part of this life insurance policy or just in your savings? It, just in the, in, the, in the cash value of the policy. And yeah. so now it's time to buy a car and you buy a car for $25,000. You borrow the $25,000 out you get a good deal because they're paying cash for the car. And then you make the same payments that you would have made to any other bank or finance company. And you put that money back in your policy and over, say, a five-year period of time, you pay it back. Now, while that's happening, the 30000 is still earning the same guaranteed 4%. And it's still earning the same dividend because it's a whole life contract that it would have earned even if you had never taken out the loan. So... If you didn't ever pay the loan back, you just wouldn't have very much. You just wouldn't have very much that's accessible for the next time and the next time. And sooner or later, the interest would eat up um, the remaining cash value. But what we train people and show people how to do is like you'd be paying this loan back to somebody. So why is it a bad thing to be paying it back to yourself? And now you're making the same payments that you would have made to the bank. You would have had to make those payments or they would have taken the car back or, or repoed it, right? But now you're making those payments back to yourself. You put all that money back into the policy. The loans are at a 5% rate. And then um, when it's time for the next car or the next car or the next thing or the roof on the house or whatever it might be, you've got all the cash value intact so that you can do it again and again. So, for example... In my case, the, my last three policies, my last three cars were all bought with money from my policies. And I got a good deal. I paid cash for them. I typically bought them like a year or two old. Um, and then I paid it back in a short period of time. And now I have the same full amount available for the next car. Um, a year ago, same two years ago, the same thing happened. I needed to get a new roof on the house. So instead of wondering what credit card am I going to put that on or where am I going to borrow that money? Or how long do I have to save up to get that? I was able to instantly take it out of my policy, pay for the roof. Now I'm paying it back to myself. After about a year or two, I had paid it all back. And again, no no problem. So I didn't have to go into debt to somebody else or make payments forever to a bank or put it on a credit card in order to be able to handle this particular thing. And those are the things that get in people's way, right? They have to get the new car. They have to put the new roof. They have to deal with inflation. They have to, um, you know, all these all these emergencies are always coming up, you know, for everybody. It's just the way life happens. And to know that you can take care of most of these things from your own savings and then pay it back in a way that's convenient for you. And you're the, you're the loan committee on these policies. If you need so, to skip some payments, you can do that. It's your money. It's your policy. It's your plan. Is there interest on this? Yeah, the loans are at 5%, but you're also earning over five, 4% plus a dividend in the policy itself. So it's kind of a On the money that you borrow. On the money that you borrowed, you're still earning the same 4%. 
and the same dividend that you would have gotten even if you had never taken out the loan? So I, I don't, I don't believe, I, I mean, through work I do, but as soon as I leave work, I would no longer have life insurance, but you're talking about personal life insurance, I imagine. Um, yeah, this is I don't have a policy and I, I assume that a lot of people 27 might not have a policy. I didn't even realize, I, I always assume life insurance works the same as say like medical insurance through an employer where like I pay a specific amount every two weeks or every four weeks. And then um, like I, I have access to the medical care. I have access to the life insurance policy when I die, when I need it, when I, when I get sick. Right. But you're saying that there is money before you die that you have access to as a part of the life insurance policy. Well, what you have is um, term insurance and it's bought through the company. And so it's uh, what they call group term. And there are basically three types of life insurance. There's, there's term insurance where it's just the death benefit, right? And so for a lot of younger people, younger families, term insurance is probably the answer because they need a high face amount, but they, and, and they can't really fund the extra cash value the way that we're talking about. So that's a really good, you know, solution. And people often have one or two times their salary as a, as a death benefit. So if God forbid something happens to you, you know, there would be that, you know, death benefit and it would be tax free. But what we're talking about here is, is individually owned whole life policies. Um, their, their cash value. There are two types of cash value policies. One is whole life and one is universal life. We could go on a big debate as to which of those is better. I happen to favor, you know, whole life for a lot of different reasons, but the whole idea with any permanent individual policy is that you're building your own individual policy. And then with Bank and Yourself, we're simply designing it in a way that most people have never seen. We're designing it in a way where most of the money is going into buying extra cash value. It's called paid up additions, but extra pure cash value into the policy. And that's the, that's that extra money, those extra dividends that are making it really fly as a savings um, and banking policy. So, so say my, like if I had the life insurance and I were to die, I would get a hundred thousand dollars. Right. And the, the fee for the personal insurance to the insurer is like 50 bucks or 70 bucks. You're saying that each month I could pay in addition to that 70 or 50, whatever that fee is. And that is all for when I die. But I also have access to those funds to take out with like a 5% penalty. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's not really a penalty. It's a, it's the interest that the company is allowing you to borrow your own cash value. Um, up to 90% of it. Um, at a, but you at can a never take that money out until you die, right? Like, like your loved ones could take it out. Like everything on top of whatever the insurer is going to give you uh, on top of that hundred thousand, like is extra that you would have access to after you pass basically. Well, no, uh, while you're, while you're alive, you're, so you're creating a, a policy in this case where there's all kinds of living benefits. And it's an individual policy. And typically, we're, the way we typically do it is we'll help people figure out how much can they save. Let's say they could save $1,000 a month, just to use a, um, a typical number. And now we're showing them that about 300 of that 1000 is going into the underlying whole base whole life policy. 
right? That's the part that has to be paid no matter what forever in order to keep the, the policy going. But the other 700 a month is optional and it's going into the extra, ca- creating extra cash value in the policy. And it's primarily that extra cash value that we're, we're talking about using and then using again and again. Um, but it's very much, um, most of the people that buy this type of policy are buying it for being able to use it, being able to save, being able to uh, finance the next car, to be able to finance college education, to be able to um, um, buy that next home or make a down payment on an investment. Um, people use the cash values to even buy gold and silver um, or rather, or make other investments. It's their money and it's available to them to borrow it at 5%. Um, and then again, the, the secret, if you will, to having it work right is, is pay yourself back, right? You'd have to pay some other bank back. So why not pay yourself back and then make those funds available, you know, again and again. And what actually happens with most people is they end up with multiple policies because like my first policy was a $500 a month policy. I couldn't have done any of the things that we're talking about if all I had ever done was put in $500 a month. But a couple of years later, I was more like a thousand a month and couple of years after that, it was more like 2000 a month. And so then it became, you know, like a centerpiece of my, you know, financial plan. Um, so it, it really starts with how much can you save? And then we build up the plan around that. But it's, it's, it's much more about most of my clients aren't really focused on the debt benefit. They, they realize that they're building this cash value and that's going to be over time much more valuable to them especially if they use it again and again and again, and it's sitting there and available tax-free, there's going to be much more, give them much more peace of mind and much more possibilities and options down the road than than, it, than saving it anywhere else. Did you know about this, Sierra or Grandpa? My, no. <laughs> I just like, this is, this is all interesting because like in my brain, I was like, for the longest time, I've just never even, I just assumed like, I'll probably have some money when I'm 30. I don't know. <laughs> so this is, this is well needed information. I didn't even know that life insurance policies worked like this. Did you know yeah. this? Well, pardon? <laughs> Were you talking to me? <laughs> Did you know that this works like this? Yes. Oh, uh, damn! Yeah, you're, you're not not imparting this information. In college. Are you serious? Is that a uh, thing? I did not know that was a thing. I mean, I've asked you for advice a million times, and you never brought this up once. Well, I mean, <laughs> people that are destitute. No. Actually, I had a friend in college who was a from a very well-to-do family in a lot of real estate. And surprisingly, he was a business guy even when he was a kid in college. And he sold me a, uh, a life insurance policy with Northwestern Mutual back in those days. And I'm going back now to the, uh, to the early 60s. So, you know, it's, uh, and he's a smart guy. He's done very well. So, yeah, I do, I do know. I mean, what storm bird biting me um (laughs) i mean it's just a combination of term which means that you get what you pay for and once the term's over it's done with and you have to do it again and 
the rates can keep going up or whatever, or, and uh, what they call, uh, you know, the invested capital, which is the other part. And then when they put them together, they call them whole life. So that's really what it is. Yeah. It's a combination of term and, and uh, what you're oh, investing. And one distinction with whole life, there's, there isn't a term. There's just this underlying base guarantee level, uh, premium. And then, uh, what, what grandpa was describing there was, um, more of what's called a universal life, where it's a, a term, a combination of a term insurance policy with a side fund that's supposed to be growing. And a lot of people will say that universal is better because it can be invested in. The market and or different indexes or just a regular cash account. Um, but what happens in those types of policies actually at, you know, well before grandpa's age, um, is that the term insurance keeps going higher and higher and it makes it difficult for the policy to work the way I've been describing because there's more and more being taken out for the cost of the life insurance. Whereas their whole life, the, the, the underlying base premium is absolutely guaranteed it can never go up so even with inflation that underlying base premium stays exactly the same and so the optional part the additional money that you're putting into it to make it work for bank on yourself or for other things and by the way one of the most um, common uses for bank on yourself type policies is for um, helping fund for college, right? College costs a fortune these days, almost no matter where you go. And a lot of people have good income. They might make $100,000. They might make $200,000. But if they have two or three kids, they're constantly worried about how am I going to save enough money to have them go to college and still have my own retirement plan. And so one of the most common uses for Bank on Yourself is to fund, help fund um, college education and then a combination of paying it through, paying it back, and even have the student who benefited from the education help pay it back as well. Um, and then, and then, and then you're fully funded to be have the policy. You know, at retirement time, you can start taking out tax free income from it, as well as having the tax free death benefit. So uh, once I started learning more and more about that type of policy, it became um, you can see why I kind of started taking over my practice. Yeah. Sierra, like how many people our age do you think know about this? Or know about or even have life insurance? None. Except maybe like some probably like some one percenters or five percenters whose parents know about this and, you know, have done it for them. Uh, Steven, do you do you meet clients already that are young that have life insurance policies already? You know, to be honest, what happens is I'll, I'll start working with somebody who's in their 40s or 50s and they're um, what I was discussing about how to pay for college or how to pay for, you know, other things or they start taking their own retirement seriously and they're looking at their own 401k and so that's not going to be enough. So they'll come to us and we'll start, you know, having that conversation. And then once we're, we've set them up, then they're going, you know what, my kids need to know this. I wish I had known about this 20 years ago so I could have started earlier. And so let me help my kids get them, you know, going. Um, and, and, and yeah, it's easier if you're in the 1% or 2% or whatever, but, 
Um, the information is out there. You know, I'm happy to work with, with anybody at any age. Um, and, and there isn't, like I said, there's no real minimum. You know, if somebody wants to do $300 a month, we'll work with them. If somebody wants to do, you know, 300,000 a year, we'll work with them. So it, it, and, and everybody, everybody's situation is different and everybody's goals are different. And that's one of the things I like about this program in particular, but other ones that we have as well as that we're, we're designing and building around what you're trying to do, what your goals are. Because my goals doesn't matter. Grandpa's goals doesn't matter. It's what your goals and what you're trying to do and what you're able to save um, is, is where it comes in. So a lot of times it starts with a 40 or 50 year old, but then they're going, you know what? My kids have to have this. My grandkids have to have this. Um, we have a lot of situations where grandparents are, because they have all the money, right? They're in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. They have all the money. Why not start gifting it? to the kids have the kids have life insurance that they may not have to cover the next generation and then have that money available to help for college or other things like that or starting a business or whatever it might be and then eventually who's going the third generation is going to get the the death benefit so we're actually helping three generations with one policy and i've even done it with great grandkids so once people understand it and they get it even if they're 40 or 50 or 60, you know, when, when, when we first meet with them and those are the ones that are typically, um, interested in it, but we get a lot of people, um, that are in their sixties who are saying, am I, is this too late, you know, for me to do this? And, and the answer is no. The only thing that's going to, the structure of the policy is going to be the same in terms of like two thirds of the money going into the cash value portion of the policy, but you, the, the amount of death benefit. Like if you're 20, there's going to be much more death benefit for that same amount of money than when you're 50 or 60 or 70. So, so the earlier you start, the better it is? So you recommend... Yeah, so the early, yeah, like almost anything good, the earlier you start, the better it is. So we, sh- we should look into this? Um, yeah, absolutely. Cool. And by the way, it's not a new thing. A lot of times it's new to... It might be new to you, right? Um, but there have been several books written on the subject. There's a book called Bank on Yourself and the Bank on Yourself Revolution. They're both written by a woman named Pamela Yellen that I work with on a on a weekly basis. She created the term bank on yourself. Um, it actually existed as a term called infinite banking going back that I know of at least 50 or 60 years. So this is not a, a new thing. You know, 50 years ago, it was like a one percenter kind of thing. You know, but this is the type of policy that Walt Disney used to start Walt Disney. This is the type of policy that J.C. Penney used to um, start his empire. So, yeah, the wealthy have known about it um, for the longest time. And and uh, because it works through, you know, different generations at the same time, you know, that's a, that's a, an even better bonus to it. And somebody's going to get that life insurance, right? Somebody's going to get the tax-free you know, life insurance, whether it's a spouse or kids or grandkids. Um, and then they have a whole new windfall to start their own. Yeah, Brandon, planning. that's why there's so much and murder. Well, life insurance isn't taxed at all. Pardon? It's not taxed at all. It generally, the policies were designed are, are, are the, the, the growth of the cash value is tax free and taking oh, wow. it out is tax free. Um. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was thinking of the same joke for the last 20 minutes of like, man, you're, this is really incentivizing a spouse to <laughs> get out that I'm life insurance. notes for myself, <laughs> for my yeah. future. Um, hey, I, what was the transition like from doing kind of traditional banking and investment type of planning to whatever the hell cryptocurrency is? Well, um, I think you said it, like whatever, what the hell is cryptocurrencies? Um, you know, crypto is, I actually have a little crypto, you know, if somebody wants to have crypto, you know, probably if they limit it to like 1% of their investable assets, you know, um, you know, I can make a, an argument for that, but it is one of those things, like almost like anything else like that is it's, it's a very speculative thing and you shouldn't be building your financial future you know on it um but if, right. you know if, if somebody makes a hundred thousand it has a hundred thousand to invest and they want to have you know a couple percent in in, uh, in in crypto um you know more power to them because there are obviously is a potential for a lot of growth and the technology behind it is definitely a technology that's going to be around and impact things, especially financially, for a long, long time. But how many of these coins are going to do well, and which ones, and why? Um, you know, um, it's probably better to keep to the first two or three top ones, like Bitcoin and Ethereum, just because you know it's going to be hard to have a market for all these different you know coins to do well. Um, I'm in an investment group that actually created two of their own coins. And so just from that, I happen to have a tiny little bit of, um, you know, crypto and it did really well and then it crashed. And that will probably be very typical, you know, of it. And so in my practice, I like to right. focus on things that every single year are going to be higher than the year before. And so whether it's an annuity or life insurance or just regular savings, you know, the balance is always going to be higher and higher every year. And it's something that you can know and count on and use um, and have that be the core. And then if they want to, you know, uh, invest in, in um, you know, things that are more speculative, you know, more power to them, but, but not have that be a, a key, you know, portion. Like you were talking about the billionaire kid who's no longer a billionaire, right? He was the youngest billionaire in the history of the, in the world, but it was all in, you know, FTX and they were actually bailing out other crypto companies. You know, that's how big they that were. Was, that's crazy. But now he's like, let me, you and me and everybody else. And yeah. nah, he's worse than me. Cause I don't know everybody, <laughs> you know, billion dollars. billions of dollars missing. And, and, and by the way, there are a lot of other issues with crypto, not just like the performance of, the coins itself or even just bitcoin it's like you have to store it securely right that's a whole technology yeah. um you have to watch it you know carefully um somebody else has to know where it is and how it's secured um so that's a, like if i had it and didn't tell anybody about it and died nobody in my family would know where it is how to get it what it totals how wow. to exchange it um and there's lots of theft and hacking and all kinds of craziness um, around it. So it's 
So even if you had it and did well, like there have been people who have lost all their Bitcoin because they forgot their password and they didn't give it to anybody else. And without the password, they can't get it. And they literally don't have access to it. And now it's gone down to zero anyway. But, you know, so it's a, you know, it's a speculation. It's a complete speculation. And I can see where people get interested in it and wrapped up in it and maybe hear more positive things about it from somebody. And again, if you're limiting it to like 1%, 1% is never going to hurt you, right? If you have 100,000 to invest and you have 1% in Bitcoin, it's never going to hurt you. It may, it may be a big plus like hitting the lottery or something like that. My daughter actually did very well with um, Bitcoin. So about 10 years ago, she bought some with a friend while she was in college. When she graduated, she was stunned at what it had gone up to. It was like $50,000, right? Um, she had shared one coin with her roommate and they ended up taking a, a trip around. They sold it. As soon as they realized how much it was worth, they sold it and then went on a trip around the world and spent it on that and then came back. It didn't cost me anything, which was great. Um, and so she's actually one of the, the, uh, the big winners of Bitcoin as far as I'm concerned. But again, total speculation and not really the way to plan. Steve, did you see this uh, crypto company FTX? Uh, yeah, that's they, what we were talking about. That was run by everything. the youngest billionaire in the history of of money, um, and he's probably still worth a billion dollars because he stole it or hit it or whatever. But but the company itself, and they were actually bailing out other crypto companies. That's how big it was. They wild. Were. They just kept looping. They just kept looping over and over. I think I would wow. take my chances on the craps table first. Yeah. No, your odds are much better. There you go. And you'll have more fun and they'll give you free drinks. That's so interesting what you said about if someone, if you have, if you do have any crypto that's, you know, worth anything and you just, you know, you die or you vanish, you know, that's literally like um, that riddle or whatever. If you, if you hear, if a bear, what is it? If a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, it doesn't make a sound. It's like. Yeah, in, in my it's case, gone. I have it on a, it's called a, a wallet. It's called a ledger wallet. And there's a 24-word okay. code to get into it. Um, and then I have the code in a safe deposit box. And I tell my wife, if God forbid something happens to me, the code, I have a little group though, the code is on a piece of paper and it's in my safe deposit box. And she has access to it. And there are people that say you're more secure than that, but... Um, for me, for the amount that I have, that's enough security. But it could still that's be so hacked. national treasure, elaborate. Yeah, and and all that for you know the little amount that I have. I'm getting why it's so popular now. There's a lot of there's a lot of fun involved in <laughs> you know hiding your code and hiding the code in the code and locking things up and trading it. I I get it. I get, I'm starting to get it. I get. I'm starting to get the picture. It, it, Brandon had to dip out early. We lost Brandon. Um, so I am going to wrap us up quickly. I do I do want to ask you one more question um, from your interview list. How can I legally save on my taxes? What do I do? Well, you know, banking yourself is one legitimate way of saving on your taxes. Um, working with a good CPA is another way of learning ways that you might be able to save on your taxes. Um, if you have your own business or you start your own business 
Um, there's a lot of ways of uh, using that business entity to lower the business taxes and therefore lower the amount of individual taxes to you. Um, a lot of our planning also involves what we call annuities, which grow completely tax deferred, and they're not taxed until you take them out, until you take the money out. And those investments are typically taken out when people have already retired and they're in a lower bracket. So they're putting it in when they're in a higher bracket and they're deferring it like a pension or 401k until they're taking it out. Um, and one other thing, I don't, I know you're running out of time, but, um, that I is a message that I would love to impart to almost all of your listeners and especially younger people. Most people, when they show up at work, they're given, they're saying, here's your 401k. Here's how it works. We match it or we don't match it. Um, they, they consider it automatic that you would want to do that. It grows tax deferred until you take it out or move it. You know, um, uh, it can be moved to other companies. So if you move to another company, you can roll it over and put it into that company's you know, 401k. And there's this whole myth that that's the automatic best way of creating retirement or starting to save for your retirement. And it's a huge, huge myth um, for a number of reasons. First of all, the fees are typically very high. Secondly, the individuals who are doing it are not financial planners, so they don't know. It's not like a pension where there's a pension actuarial team that's figuring out what to invest in. You're supposed to figure out, you know, what the best mutual fund choices are. And for most people, that's not what they do or what they're good at. So the performance tends to be, if anything, what the market does. It, it, and most financial planners don't beat the S&P 500. So you'd be better off with just an index account. Um, and lastly, especially for young people, that money is in prison until you're 60 years old. Is that really going to uh-huh. be, is, do you really want to be locking up money with no alternatives besides what's in the 401k until you're 60 years old? Most 30 year olds that I talk to would not want to do that. They would not want a 30 year retirement plan. And, and, and they shouldn't because things will change so much. Look how much things have changed in the last 10 or 20 years. Think of what will happen in the next. In the last five. And yeah. So think of what will happen in the next five, 10, 15, 20 years that, that they would have wished that they could have taken that money out or done something else. So, um, that's a huge thing. And, and if I could, you know, you, for you, young people, middle aged people, whatever. Do not rely, you cannot rely on your 401k to be the answer to your retirement plan. So in, instead of that 401k, you're saying do the um, investing in yourself or banking yeah, buy on yourself. Annuities, buy life insurance, buy other guaranteed things that you okay. know and understand and control and that can help you in other ways. Absolutely. I did not know that. That is really good advice, especially since we don't, we we aren't like our economy, like our whole economy. It's not even just a generational thing. Our economy isn't really built for like careers, like long, like decade spanning careers where you just stay in one place or at one company for your whole life. We don't really do that. Yeah, anymore. Grandpa can tell you, it used so, to be, yeah. he went for, my dad worked for a company for 40 years. It was the only place he ever worked. They provided a pension, a real pension so that he knew exactly when he retired at age 65, exactly how much he was going to have on a monthly basis guaranteed for as long as he or my mom 
we're alive. My mom's still alive. She's 90 years old. She's still collecting on that pension. But those days, those days, and the loyalty both ways isn't there. You know, employers aren't loyal like that anymore. You know, you get to be 50 years old and you're earning a good amount and they can replace you with a younger person. They do it in an instant. And the same, you know, and quite honestly, it's kind of true for young people also. As soon as somebody offers them $10,000 a year more, they're gone. And, 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 and right. you know, I can't blame them because the loyalty isn't there the other way either. Uh, young Loyalty and the yeah. benefits. So those kind of benefits are not there. And now with the 401ks, there's an excellent book out there if anybody wants to contact me. And, and anybody can contact me at um, connectwithstephensteph.com. All my information is there. Um, I'll, I'll send them a copy of the book. Um, that talks about the 401ks and it's called rescue your retirement. Um, and, and it, it goes into all the reasons and all the depth of why the four, the, the person that created the 401k says he wished he never had done it. Um, and at the time it was simply a way of paying extra money from the companies to key employees. And then have it mm-hmm. to be on top of their pension, not instead of their pension. And there's um, there's another there's a movie out there called The Baby Boomer Dilemma. It's it's, it's catching on a lot with um, baby boomers in particular, but but younger people too, where it tells the true story of a family. Um, and there's all these interviews with experts as well mixed into it, but it tells the story of a family that in the state of Florida where they rolled over all the pensions, the good, safe, honest pensions into 401ks. And that made the individuals the ones in charge of their own retirement. And they weren't set up to do that. So they didn't know how to to do that and how to maximize it and how to pick the right mutual funds. And so sometimes it went well and sometimes it didn't. But then in this movie, they talk about how the market crashed Literally the year that somebody, literally within weeks of when somebody took their retirement. So they had, they had X amount and now they had half that amount three weeks later. And then the wife was screaming at the husband, like, I left you in charge of this and look what you did. We can't live on this. We can't retire on this. And now you're retired. What are we supposed to do? Um, but besides showing the pain of that situation, it, it reflects this whole idea of, of, for most people, they cannot rely on their 401k to create the retirement that they think, you know, they're doing. And, and for employers, it's automatic. Here's your paperwork. Here's your 401k. Sign here, sign here, sign here. And since most people don't know any better and they're, oh, I'm saving for retirement and they're, they're giving me a couple percent matching. And isn't that wonderful? And I'm, and I'm doing something and I'm saving for retirement. I'm being responsible. You know, um, yes, it's it's probably a good start, but not going to be the answer. Yeah, yeah. There's no uh, guarantees anymore, in, in when you work for a company, uh, look what uh, um, Elon Musk is doing at Twitter right now. So you really don't have any any mm-hmm. guarantees. So it's good to put money away. I don't care how you do it, but put some. And most of it's not even individual stocks. It's it's mostly mutual funds and exchange traded funds that, you know, can, can go all over the place. And, you know, um, 
I, I'll talk to a lot of people, especially this year in particular, right? People are down 20, 30, 40, 50%. Major companies are down a lot. You know, um, if you look at, and again, I'm not a stockbroker, so I'm not, you know, promoting the entire industry, but, you know, Amazon is down a lot. Disney is down a lot. Um, Paramount is down a lot. Um, uh, Google is down a lot. So what if this was the year you were retiring and your 401k was turning into a 201k? Or what if this is the two or three years before or two or three years after your retirement? You know, what were you, and you were planning on this amount back 30 years, two or three years ago. Those are big numbers. If you were like, look at this, I'm going to retire, you know, a millionaire. It's like now all of a sudden they're not. So, you know, again, the more you can take it into your own hands, the better. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming, Stephen. My pleasure. Wonderful guest. Very informative. uh, We'll definitely have you back sometime soon because the markets, everything keeps changing. Yeah, my... (laughs) Kind of catastrophically, but maybe we'll go back up next time we talk to you. I get people calling me, oh, my annuity is only up 5% this year. And I go, and compared to what? Like, would you right. have had it in the, in the market right now? Where, where would you be down 40%, down 20%? Count exactly. your blessings. That, I, Just say, I, you're yeah, welcome exactly. and hang up. <laughs> By the way, Sierra, you have, so a, you have a great voice for radio and podcasts. I really like the Thank you. I used to do radio when I was in college. I did public oh, radio. I did too, actually. <laughs> so fun. Very good experience. Yep. Excellent. Shout out my gang at WCBU. Peace and love. Compliment you on that. Thank you. Everyone, check out Stephen Step. You can get his information, find out about him, and he can give you more beautiful, incredible advice. It's connectwithstephenstep.com. S-T-E-V-E-N-S-T-E-P. Thank you so much. Again, wonderful. Absolutely informative. Am I the first financial planner you've had on? I think so i think we had someone talk about maybe insurance something similar but i don't think it was the same vein so this is very helpful because you know a girl's finally got some income so she needs to know all right well have a great night thank you podcasting with grandpa and rosie always on his shoulder this is grandpa and chill Grandpa and Chill is brought to you by your hosts, Brandon Fox, Bart Frank, and Finus Jackson. Our producer is Sierra Doss. To watch and listen to full episodes of the show and follow us on social media, visit grandpaandchill.com. That's grandpaandchill.com.